0: Many of us ever know what it is to become the
1: perfect version of ourselves? This is Decoding Superhuman with your host,
0: Boomer Anderson. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Boomer Anderson here. And welcome, superhumans, to another episode of this podcast. I started this podcast because my favorite subject ever is health. And in this podcast, we explore my second favorite subject, which is how to improve performance. And combining the two, how do we use health to improve performance? As always, I want to bring on experts to separate truth from false and to really give you bite-sized pieces of actionable information so that you can take action, massive action in your everyday life to become a higher performer. Today's subject is ketosis and the ketogenic diet. My guest is Christy Vlad. Christy holds a master's degree in civil engineering, but he's self-taught in genomics, nutrition and biochemistry, machine learning, bioinformatics, cybersecurity, and rational thinking. Christy is the author of seven books, including Ketone Power and Periodic Fasting, which is how I came to know him. What I love about Christy's work is the emphasis on, and frankly, the study of, the scientific method, logical fallacies, and cognitive biases— science-based medicine, which is actually different from evidence-based medicine, metacognition, so really thinking about thinking, and his study of human behavior. Similar to my worldview, Christie looks for good evidence and solid arguments to support an ever-changing view and opinion. This method leaves him thinking fluid and flexible instead of fixed and self-limiting. So what did we actually get into on this podcast? Because it is, in a way, a very deep dive into the ketogenic diet. This conversation could have gone on for three hours easily. We got into all things ketosis. What is the ketogenic diet? What are the different ketones and which is most important to measure? How would you actually measure that? The value and caution in exogenous ketones... What do we know about the long-term effects of the ketogenic diet? And finally, fasting. At many times, we could have gone down a biochemistry wormhole or a how-to-not-do-ketosis wormhole, a fasting wormhole, so many different wormholes. But the show notes for this one can be found at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Christy, and that's C-R-I-S-T-I. If you want them back on the show, let me know. Frankly, I would love to have him back on, especially to answer that question, how not to do ketosis. I think that episode would be very valuable. And now, on to our sponsor. So why explore something like ketosis? Why go on a high-fat, carb-restricted diet? Well, one of the reasons why I choose to do it quite frequently is for increased focus, increased cognition— the other tool in my toolboxing, you guys have heard me say this before, for increased cognition, and perhaps my favorite nootropic out there is Qualia. And Qualia is made by a company called Neurohacker Collective, which I believe so much in that I've invested a significant sum of my money in the company. Qualia is a nootropic, and they've also come out with a second product called Qualia Mind. But pay attention to this company, folks, because there's a lot going on and there's a lot in the pipeline, whether it's sleep, stress, and a whole bunch of other things. uh, Neurohacker Collective continues to deliver high quality products which improve my focus, my overall sovereignty, and my ability to just frankly, kick ass. So if you want to try Qualia, which is the original formulation, or Qualia Mind, go over to Neurohacker Collective's website, that's neurohacker.com, plug in the code BOOMER, that's B-O-O-M-E-R, in case you forgot how to spell my name, and you could get 10% off your first month's order. Or if you go and subscribe, which I do recommend because you're going to want to try this for several months, you may actually want to try it for longer. Use the code boomer. You'll get 15% off your subscription. And now enjoy the show. Christy, so good to have you here today. You know, it's just been a pleasure. I've loved all of your books and I'm really glad you're on the show. Nice to be here. I think the burning question on everybody's mind in the topic today is on ketosis, but why don't we take the 10,000-foot the view first, or 10,000-meter view, and just answer the question, you know, what is a ketogenic diet exactly?
1: Simply put, a ketogenic diet is a diet that restricts carbohydrate to the level of entering nutritional ketosis. So, which is a metabolic state, uh, characterized by deoxidation. the body switches to primarily oxidating fat for energy instead of uh, what you would like to call a default state where the body burns primarily, and I'm saying primarily because it does not completely oxidize uh, fat or carbohydrate in any of the states. Okay, so uh, back to the question, a ketogenic diet is a diet that restricts carbohydrate to the level of entering nutritional ketosis where the body primarily burns fat for energy, fat and ketone bodies, which are byproducts of fat oxidation.
0: So Christy, do you mind if we put some, some numbers to that just real quick in terms of um, like what percentages for macros are we talking about here in terms of fat versus carbohydrates versus protein?
1: to enter nutritional ketosis? Correct. Well, actually, I guess this depends on an individual level. If we would to take a person and actually try to get them into ketosis, um, I'd probably start with restricting carbohydrates to about 50 grams of total carbohydrates per day. And uh, probably one of the most important things here, uh, since we're, we're living in a quantified world, would be to actually measure ketosis it wouldn't be okay to eyeball it. Many people say just restrict carbohydrates to less than 50 grams of total carbs per day, and then you'll be in ketosis, but you actually don't know. Some people need to restrict to less than 20 grams, other people to less than 30 grams, and some people can even like be in ketosis at uh, maybe 100 grams of total carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. So in this case, I would say restrict, start with 50 grams of total carbs, And then measure if you have circulating ketones in your blood after one or two days.
0: Okay, so we'll get into the measurement aspect in just a second. But just real quick, in terms of percentage of fat to get into ketosis, I think in the book you mention 60% or above is sort of a good guideline. Is that still true?
1: Probably yes.
0: Okay. Probably yes. Do you mind going into the different hormone signaling pathways that really kind of resonate or really are coinciding with glucose-fueled diet versus a ketogenic diet?
1: Well, sure. Um, Probably the main switch is around uh, insulin and to a good extent, glucagon. So uh, as we know, one of the primary roles of insulin is to get glucose inside cells for energy. And when we have less circulating glucose, like on a ketogenic diet, we kind of need less circulating insulin. So lower insulin secretion would drive a lot of changes, which kind of makes a fat-based metabolism uh, quite different than a state when we primarily burn glucose for energy. So I guess the main would be around insulin. The main thing would be around uh, insulin signaling.
0: Do you mind just touching on the role of LPL here uh, when it comes to ketosis versus a traditional, I want to call it standard American diet, but I realize it's kind of a worldwide phenomenon these days. For those
1: who don't know, um, LPL or lipoprotein lipase is um, an enzyme which stands uh, on top of cells that line blood vessels in your muscles and in your fat tissue. So it kind of enables uh, or turns on triglyceride hydrolysis, which basically means breaking down fat for energy. Now, in theory, we would want higher LPL activity in muscles to kind of burn uh, fat and low LPL activity in the adipose tissue. But I guess it's also kind of hard to quantify or to measure this uh, this type of thing. So basically LPL is uh, allows triglyceride hydrolysis or breaking down fat for energy.
0: So Christy, since you've written a couple of books on this, I'm curious and just due to my sort of experience at Paleo FX this year, ketosis is all of the rage. And one of the, the, the benefits that is claimed by the ketogenic world is that the brain and potentially the heart run better on ketones. Is that necessarily true? And I guess, uh, second part two question that or what are some of the other benefits of a ketogenic diet?
1: Well, we know from research that the heart is able to kind of burn fat. And I'm not really sure if ketones, but I guess it can burn ketones. I, I have to check that out. But when it comes to the brain, yes, well, actually, the brain can get adapted after a couple of I would say it gets better adapted at burning ketones after a strict ketogenic diet for some time, maybe a couple of weeks for most people. We could get into kind of a deep biochemistry of this. Some research say that ketones burn cleaner because fat oxidation bypasses a certain, a complex in the, in the electron transport chain which leads to kind of lower production of reactive oxygen species. But I'm not really sure if, uh, I don't know, it's relevant to this.
0: (laughs) Uh, We can always, I I mean, this is one of those things that you and I could talk about a separate time because I love geeking out about biochemistry. But I guess in short, it just sort of bypasses the electron transport chain is that right, right. S is uh, a complex a complex within it. and as a result ketones may burn more efficiently is that right you may burn yeah okay so just other benefits that you see Or maybe you can talk from your own personal experience from the medical literature in terms of what you've read, what you've experienced personally in terms of the benefits of a ketogenic diet.
1: Well, uh, like I said, uh, I should probably only speak from my own perspective and from my own subjective experience. Probably there are a couple of benefits that I've experienced throughout the years. And uh, when I started it back in 2013, those uh, benefits got me stuck to it. But I kind of loosened up uh, maybe in 2016 and a part of 2017. And then I became strict uh, ketotic in December last year and ever since I remained uh, in ketosis as I kind of measure blood ketones every day, some days, even twice. Okay, so the benefits, the main benefits for me would be much, much better hunger control. So a very sharp reduction in hunger. I would say better mood and sort of like constant energy all throughout the day without crashes, without energy crashes, better sleep. Mm. So I would say better sleep because in 2016 and in 2017, when I kind of upped my carbohydrate and got out of ketosis like frequently, and then I came back and remained strict ketotic, I noticed a sharp improvement in my sleep, better hunger control better ability to focus, probably better mood, more constant energy all throughout the day and better sleep. Those are for me, uh, those are kind of the subjective benefits that I've experienced.
0: That's pretty awesome. I, I guess for me, I'm still uh, on the sleep part. I'm hoping that, that that comes soon. But how did you measure this sleep in particular in terms of better sleep? When I started, I would say when I recently
1: entered strict ketosis in December 2017, it was just a sharp subjective experience. So I didn't quantify it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I only quantified sleep uh, starting about a couple of weeks ago when I bought this uh, Fitbit, Mm -hmm. uh, which uh, also tracks sleep and sleep stages.
0: Okay. Very cool. I, I'm just, I'm a nerd for self-quantification, so I always ask these kind of questions. On the, the ketone side, so there are a number of different ketones. Do you mind just going through the different ketones uh, and sort of what they are? And uh, you mentioned that you measure blood ke- ketones and sort of why you measure blood versus some of the other ways. So
1: ketogenesis is the process of... Um, creating ketone bodies in the mitochondria of liver cells. So that's where the magic happens primarily. So we are in the mitochondria of liver cells, and that's where ketogenesis occurs. So we have three main ketone bodies, out of which one is technically not a ketone. So, uh, so we have beta-hydroxybutyrate, acetoacetate, and acetone. Uh, Beta-hydroxybutyrate is technically not a ketone. It's a carboxylic acid, and I don't think we should get in in the the biochemistry of it, but the norm is that people consider it, and even researchers consider it, uh, a ketone body. And I guess you find references for it as being the ketone body, even though, technically speaking, it's a carboxylic acid. When ketogenesis occurs, you have uh, the creation of beta-hydroxybutyrate, which And acetoacetate, so beta-hydroxybutyrate is the circulating form of it in the liver after these ketones are created, acetoacetate and beta-hydroxybutyrate circulates through the blood to organs and tissues all throughout the body to supply energy demands, while acetone is kind of for a buffer purpose. Acetoacetate, or I guess guess beta-hydroxybutyrate spontaneously decarboxylates into acetone and we excrete it through the lungs.
0: All right, so this is why acetone you can measure with like a ketonix or some sort of a breath tester, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, Uh, on that topic of measurement, uh, because there are probably 10 new machines a day that come out right now to measure ketones, and we have everything from urine strips to... I know this sort of way of choking myself every morning by measuring acetone to blood testing. How would you recommend somebody measuring ketosis if they want to get into this? Uh, Because there are so many choices.
1: Uh, Probably the cheapest is through urine strips. And I would say they were accurate for me when I first started the ketogenic diet back in 2013. And then I only measured blood uh, urine ketones. So I only started measuring blood ketones last December when I became strict. But urine strips were kind of, uh, I would say they were really accurate for me even after a year into ketosis. But they might not be accurate from the standpoint, from various reasons, one of the main ones would be the hydration level of the body. If you're more hydrated, you could still be in ketosis and measure lower ketones in the urine because they are kind of distilled. While if you would be kind of dehydrated uh, and you'd be in ketosis, you would measure a sharp or an accentuated state state of ketosis in the urine. So for some people, they they might be inaccurate. Okay. So these are for the strips, uh, the urine strips, which are the cheapest. You probably can get uh, like 50 strips for about ten dollars or even less, I guess. Um, that would be good for people who start on the ketogenic diet or who just want to kind of don't want to invest like maybe. Uh, Twenty dollars in a meter, and then like some dozens of dollars. In <laughs> okay, so uh, the uh, the more accurate would be the blood strips. So testing blood ketones with a dual glucose ketone meter. Glucose strips are kind of cheap, while ketone strips are getting cheaper. So you now have options to buy ketone strips for one dollar. Uh, while back in I would say 2013 or 2014, uh, these were like five dollars a piece. Yeah. So those were kind of expensive back then.
0: But now it gets cheaper. So on on the blood part, uh, there's a number of different meters out there. Do you have a favorite one?
1: The one that I'm using is kind of a European brand. And I'm not really sure if it's available in the US. I guess this is a uh, product of UK, forgot its name, but um, it's CareSense. The ketone strips are cheap. They're about $1, but the counterpart of it in the US I guess is the Keto-Mojo which has uh, the $1 strips, but I'm not really sure if Keto Mojo also measures blood glucose.
0: I have the Keto Mojo. So we'll link to both of these devices in the show notes because I think they are a, a slightly cheaper alternative, at least the Keto Mojo, to what Abbott has produced. But... The Keto Mojo does do both.
1: I'm not really sure if there is any difference in terms of accuracy between uh, all the the ketone uh, testing devices that are on the market, blood ketone testing devices. I guess they are kind of around the same um, accuracy level, I would say.
0: On um, breath ketones, because it, it can be, if you're going to be a person that's measuring five times a day... For instance, it can be fairly cost-effective over time. What's your opinion of measuring breath ketones?
1: Well, to be honest, I don't really know much about that. I know there are a couple of alternatives. The first one that I knew was the ketonics. I am virtual friends with uh, the creator of ketonics. I'm not sure how much they have progressed uh, since the first model. Maybe they have a wireless model now. I don't know. But I also am aware of other breath meters on the market, but I wouldn't be able to say anything about the accuracy because I haven't tested them.
0: Christy, perhaps if we take this just another, down another wormhole, uh, going back to Paleo FX, uh, if you look at the vendor booths, probably 25 to 25 plus percent of these vendor booths are selling exogenous ketones. What is your opinion on the exogenous ketones? And I guess maybe we can start with sort of a simple question. What is an exogenous ketone? So
1: exogenous means from outside. When we say ketosis, ketosis, uh, nutritional ketosis is an endogenous process, which means uh, it naturally occurs in the body from the breakdown of fat and the creation of ketone bodies. That is endogenous ketosis. Now, we can also kind of accelerate or hack this process by supplying ketones from the outside. So that is exogenous ketosis, and that's where exogenous ketones come into place. Basically, there I would say there are two main avenues for this. We have the ketone salts and we have the ketone esters, which just recently uh, started uh, appearing on the market. I guess there is only one or two companies that sell ketone esters. But... Let's uh, let's talk about ketone salts, mm-hmm. which are basically beta-hydroxybutyrate or acetoacetate. A ketone salt is a formulation of beta-hydroxybutyrate and or acetoacetate combined with minerals like magnesium, sodium, calcium, potassium, and the like. For a ketone salt, you have this formulation and uh, you have to kind of, the ratio uh, for beta-hydroxybutyrate and the salt, uh, you have a little bit of a beta-hydroxybutyrate and you need a lot of salt to kind of uh, be able to put it in a formula and these, uh, these formulations have kind of a low impact on circulating ketones. Personally, I'd rather use um, a, an MCT oil or a C8 oil instead of using a ketone salt. The newcomer in the market is the ketone ester or ketone monoester. This is kind of the real deal. Let's take uh, the one that's uh, currently being sold. I guess it's called uh, D-beta-hydroxybutyrate 13 three butane diol. So it's kind of—it's <laughs> a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, it's a mouthful. Uh, so, like I said, there is at least one merchant uh, supplying this formulation on the market. And this is a ketone monoaster. When this gets into the body, you not only get beta-hydroxybutyrate from the beta-hydroxybutyrate in the formula, but when butane diol is metabolized, it turns into more beta-hydroxybutyrate. There are um, experiments of people doing this on YouTube, experimenting with uh, this ketone monoester And... We've seen uh, we've seen them going from 0.3 millimolars to five to six or even seven millimolars per liter in less than 30 minutes. So they go straight into deep, very deep ketosis, and that's kind of a big subjective change to to a brain that's not used to ketosis, for example. So I guess in terms of uh, exogenous ketones, we're talking in terms of. Mental and in terms of sports performance, these uh, these are kind of uh, this is what they are marketed for, and not directly for weight loss.
0: Okay, that that's a very good point, and I just want to sort of talk a little bit about that because you have a lot of people taking these products and sort of saying that they're in ketosis or using them to define themselves as following a ketogenic diet. But I guess what's sort of the a sort of medium term impact if you will of taking a, a ketone salts or even a ketone ester are you aware of how long these sort of last in the body and what their sort of long term impacts are or is it more of a transitional phase into a more nutritional ketosis
1: i haven't looked too much into ketone salts but i know that in terms of ketone esters and ketone monoesters which are uh, more interesting and i would say It is very likely that I'm going to experiment with the ketone monoester in the future. I would say that it it lasts for a couple of hours. So it would be kind of really good to experiment with it. Maybe not the first time when you have a main sports event or a main mental challenging event, but try to actually see how you react to it first and then use it in a, uh, some sort of, a, of an event. It's kind of so you take it and in about maybe 20 to 30 minutes, you're deep into ketosis and you probably remain quite deep into ketosis for anywhere between two to four hours, I guess. And then uh, if you're on a normal diet, and you consume carbohydrates, uh, then you're actually gonna get out of ketosis. But uh, if you're on a ketogenic diet, you'd probably remain in ketosis at your baseline
0: level. Uh, That's really helpful, Christy. Thank you. Now, for all of these people taking exogenous ketones and still following a sort of high carbohydrate diet, what's your opinion of this?
1: To be honest, I wouldn't go that route. I haven't researched it a lot, but it's Obvious, you don't have to be a researcher or a geek scientist to kind of know that when you do that, when you're on a higher carbohydrate diet, on a frequent basis, you consume exogenous ketones to get into ketosis, you kind of get into a competition between metabolic fuels. So I wouldn't go into that. Maybe a combination of carbohydrate and exogenous ketones and some sort of sports events would make sense. Uh, For a person that is not keto adapted, I would say, or does not follow a ketogenic diet, but to do it on a consistent basis, I would actually want to know more about the competition between because there is a competition between metabolic fuels.
0: Very helpful. So I guess in summation, sort of the exogenous ketone, if you will, could help you transition back into ketosis, but it's best to be sort of following the, the nutritional guidelines that we outlined earlier. Is that right? Yeah, for the most part, yes. We're sitting here talking about a ketogenic diet, and there's many people out there, in fact, the majority of the population that doesn't follow this, and they're probably asking the question, You know, is there anyone who a ketogenic diet is not suited for?
1: Well, uh, for starters, I would say this is a not one size fits all approach. So uh, depending on what you wanna do or why would you wanna do a ketogenic diet, So we have to put things into context. Why would you want to do it? Just to do it uh, out of no reason, it doesn't make sense. Some people do it for better mental performance. Some people do it for, um, I don't know, higher energy levels. A lot of people do it for weight loss. Uh, The ketogenic diet is not a magic weight loss tool, but it allows for, uh, since, since you have better hunger control, you are more able to go into a calorically restricted mode because it all comes down to um, energy deficit when we're talking about weight loss. So a ketogenic diet may allow for a more efficient uh, way to get into an energy deficit. So a lot of people use it for uh, weight loss. Some people use it to kind of uh, manage conditions like epilepsy and some Other pathological conditions, some people use it as a main method while others use it alongside a conventional medical treatment
0: now for you you mentioned that you've been doing strict ketosis for a while Um, whereas i guess you can see from the amount of stuff that dave asprey is posting on this people are starting to look more at like cyclical ketosis and going in and out of it you yourself do you plan on coming out of ketosis every once in a while and if so how often Or if you were, I guess, looking at somebody who's looking at this for a pure focus benefit, how often would you recommend them going back into a carb-fueled state? Well, it depends. Well, from my own experience, in the immediate, like short
1: to medium term, I don't, I plan to remain strict ketotic, but I guess I'm open to experimentation maybe over the long term to kind of, I don't know, maybe... Uh, see what I would do in terms of sports performance uh, when it comes to a cyclical approach or even when it comes to, I don't know, a targeted approach. I cannot give you an accurate answer for this. Just that for the short to medium term, um, I plan to remain strict ketotic.
0: It's very helpful. Now, one thing that commonly comes up in ketosis, and sorry, I'm going a little bit off the rails here, but uh, electrolytes and sort of keeping uh, electrolytes within the body when you're in strict ketosis. In the book, I believe you mentioned something about the use of salt in order to help with that. Do you mind just going into sort of how you manage your own electrolyte levels?
1: Sure. Well, uh, since the body does not hold onto water like it does on a default carbohydrate uh, sufficient diet. So when when you consume sufficient carbohydrates not to be in the state of ketosis, each gram of carbohydrate holds uh, certain grams of water in the body, and it's easier to maintain um, stable electrolyte levels. But when you restrict carbohydrates to the point of ketosis, uh, that doesn't happen. So you kind of flush water and minerals out of the body at an accelerated or at a more accelerated pace. And to do that, you kind of have to consume. So I would, from a subjective experience, I have to consume a little bit more salt and uh, probably uh, other minerals with enough water to remain hydrated and electrolyte stable, I would say.
0: On the salt, just from your own subjective experience, how much salt are you consuming in a day? And sort of how, how are you consuming it? Like, do you have your water bottle full of salt or are you doing it by other means no
1: uh, i haven't actually quantified it precisely but i just salt my food Uh, i just use more salt on my food and i also kind of crave i don't know if you know those tiny bouillon cubes Mm -hmm. i kind of Sometimes I uh, I take uh, one cube in the morning, either dissolved in a glass of water or just uh, eat it and then drink a glassful or two glassfuls of water.
0: Christy, this has been very helpful. One one more question before we go into sort of uh, where people can find out more about you and additional resources in your experience with uh, ketosis. How much do you use fasting for that? And if you don't mind just sort of explaining for people what are the benefits of using fasting for a ketogenic diet?
1: Well, I'm really glad that we get into this because uh, I would say fasting it really makes a lot of sense uh, when you talk about ketosis. Being in a ketotic state or being in nutritional ketosis reduces your hunger levels. You won't be eating as much or as frequent. So I got into fasting kind of, I progressed into fasting naturally from ketosis. A couple of months after I started uh, being in ketosis, like back in 2013, it was kind of hard for me to consume three meals a day, even though I tried eating three meals a day. And I actually get in, got into two meals a day. So I didn't know I was actually intermittently fasting until I read about it, and then I kind of refined my approach. So. I started like most people start with 16:8 so which basically means you only eat in an 8 hour window during the day so 16 we talk about intermittent fasting probably the the most convenient approach for most people is the 16:8 when you consume nothing but water and non-caloric beverages like coffee unsweetened tea and all that stuff for 16 hours a day and then for 8 hours a day you have your meals as many as you want. We can like say an example of 16:8 would be to eat uh, only between 12 p.m. or noon to 8 p.m. So you'd have all your meals in that time frame and be, uh, from 8 p.m. to 12 at noon the next day you won't be eating anything but water. That's like the combination between ketosis and intermittent fasting It's really I would say Smooth and convenient, but we can also discuss about longer term fasting. So,
0: oh, this is one of my favorite subjects. Uh, let's let's do it.
1: People who do sixteen eight most likely are gonna try to kind of reduce their feeding window to maybe six hours, four hours, and probably then go to one meal a day. That's what I actually did. Probably the most convenient for me was the eighteen six. So when I only ate in a six hour time frame, I also experimented with one meal a day, but I wasn't able to maintain my weight with that approach. That would be good for people who want to lose weight, but I was at a maintenance weight and I wasn't able to maintain it with one meal a day and it was kind of inconvenient for me. So once you do that, you can also go into 24-hour fasting, 36-hour fasting, 48-hour fasting. And if you come into that type of fasting from a ketosis background, it's going to be much easier because you won't transition from a carbohydrate-based metabolism into a fat-based metabolism, there won't be the switch because if you start doing like prolonged fasting from uh, the background of a higher carbohydrate diet, it would take about 24 to 48 or even 36 hours to kick boost uh, the fat-based metabolism. And during that time, you you kind of be miserable in terms of hunger. (laughs) Yeah, because you get really, really hungry when you don't eat for a couple of hours on a normal carbohydrate metabolism. I guess I was all over the place, but uh, the main point is that if you do prolonged fasting from a ketosis background, it is much easier and a much smoother transition between the
0: fat and the fasted state. Mm -hmm. Uh, It makes fasting so much easier. I know when I did 72 hours last quarter, after being in a ketogenic state, everything just runs a lot smoother, that's for sure. Christy, this has been fantastic. What are the, I guess, what are your favorite books on the subject of a ketogenic diet if people really want to go down the wormhole here? We'll link to your books, of course, but other books, other resources that you recommend.
1: Uh, To be honest, I haven't read too many books on the ketogenic diet. I mostly read papers and uh, journal articles, but I read the actual, probably the two most popular books on the ketogenic diet, which were the ones written by uh, Stephen Feeney and Jeff Volek, The Art and Science of Low-Carbohydrate Living, and The Art of And science of low carbohydrate performance so I read these in 2013 and I guess uh, they would be my first uh, go-to books for someone who wants to kind of understand better what happens in the state of nutritional ketosis for uh, weight loss and also for sports performance beautiful
0: now I I guess and I think you're living it, so I kind of know the answer here, but before we go into sort of my last couple of questions, and I know we're running close on time, is there any concern from your point over somebody doing a long-term ketogenic lifestyle? Is is it sustainable?
1: Well, it depends. I'm also experimenting that on myself right now, so I could give you an answer. Maybe if I remain ketogenic for two or three years, I could give you an answer, but a short answer is that we do not know for sure because there are very few people or there are fewer people that are doing this and remain strict and actually quantify their ketosis uh, through objective measures some people might say yeah i've been doing the ketogenic diet since i don't know maybe 10 years but You cannot know for sure because most likely they haven't tested their ketone levels every day. So you would not know for sure if they were on a ketogenic diet for that long, uh, which means that you could not know if it's safe or kind of, uh, I don't know, sustainable for that period of time. There might be concerns. There are a lot of ways to do it wrong. There are way too many ways to do it wrong, so I wouldn't give advice on on that.
0: It sounds like episode two subject is coming back in sort of of your experiences in strict ketosis over the long term, plus the ways to do a ketogenic diet wrong, which I I think is something worth getting into. Just quick questions for you, uh, Christy. In terms of your... Your favorite ways to increase your focus other than a ketogenic diet, what do you do uh, throughout your day? Well,
1: I guess you probably know the answer. The first answer is, of course, fasting. Mm-hmm. So, for better mental performance, I would say I combine um, intermittent fasting with ketosis. Right now, I'm doing uh, maybe 17 to 18 hours of fasting every day, and I have two meals a day. I've been a long time caffeine drinker. I drank, drank caffeine all my life, but I stopped using caffeine about a year ago, and now uh, I only drink it maybe once a month. Or, But there is a combination of caffeine and L-theanine, which is probably the safest nootropic combination in terms of uh, better mental performance because both both of these substances or i should say maybe l-theanine is relatively safe while caffeine everybody consumes it so uh, we are all in this experiment so the combination of l-theanine and caffeine would be a good way or if you're, if you're not a caffeine drinker, you could probably only use uh, L-theanine. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe start with 100 milligrams and up your dose to maybe three to 400 milligrams
0: a day. Favorite book on peak performance? Well, it's Peak. Okay, I- I've read that. That's a great book. It's written by uh, an
1: expert on experts. So Kay Anders Ericsson is a researcher on expertise and Peak is probably, from my standpoint, probably one of the best books on peak performance. And aside of it, I would also mention uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport, which is another researcher. Cal Newport is a young researcher, Uh, I guess. I'm not really sure the university, but.
0: I think it's MIT, right? Or at least I, because I read that book as well. Um, fantastic book, continues to come up on this podcast. But I, I thought it was MIT for some reason. Uh, Christy, where can people find out more about you?
1: Probably the easiest way would be to go on my website. And from there, you can get uh, onto all my social media uh, accounts. So just go to christyvlad.com and you can find your way out of there to uh, any social media
0: profile that I have. Excellent. And we'll, we'll link to all of these in the show notes. Uh, Christy, this has been extremely informative and I enjoy this. I really want to go down the biochemistry routes with you uh, at some point. So whenever you're ready for that second conversation, would love to do it. But uh, I know we're short on time. Thank you so much for making the time today. Thanks for having me. That's awesome. And to all the superhumans out there, thank you for listening. Superhumans, my brain hurts after that one. That was a big, deep dive into ketosis. I want to hear what you think. I want to hear what you want to learn more about. Email me at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com. Those of you who have taken me up on that know that I respond and read each and every email. And one last favor to ask before you go if you wouldn't mind going over to iTunes, Spotify, whatever it is, and leave a review on the Decoding Superhuman podcast, preferably a five-star review. It does help us get noticed. It does help us to get the word out. And we are picking up quite a few reviews there. So I want to thank all of those out there who actually are reviewing the podcast. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. And again, if you want to have Christy back on the show, let me know. I would love to have him back on, especially to do that deep dive into how not to do ketosis. Superhumans, have an epic day.